Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Gwinnett Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Gwinnett Church app where you can have access to all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around here at Gwinnett Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. Most importantly, however, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, um, if we haven't met yet, my name is Reed. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. Uh, for all of you in the room, welcome. For those of you tuning in online and over at East Cobb, welcome. We're so glad that you're joining us as we are concluding our series, The Resurrected Life. If you haven't been with us for the past couple weeks, um, you could go back and watch the other messages. Um, but today we're concluding our series. And to get us started with our time together, I wanted to tell you about uh, a little tradition that made an impact on my life. And, um, and then it'll get us into where we're going today. So uh, when I was growing up, my dad, he traveled a lot and um, for work. And if you ask me what he did, I'm like, you know, he sold stuff, right? You know, like that's kind of what, and so, uh, so he traveled, he was a salesman. He was Monday through Friday type deal. And then he would get home on Friday. And so my mom, because she's an amazing mom and she, you know, would do this. She, yeah, exactly. Clap for my mom. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, she had to put up with me for all these times. Yeah. So my mom, uh, my mom would let us stay up late for when dad got home from the airport and my dad, like, you know, cause he's been gone all week. Like he wants to come in and dad's, you know, like when you're like, you're coming home on the weekend, you want to be like cool dad, you know? And so my dad would come in and he would grab uh, some things from the airport, like in the like magazine section, he would grab us a couple of comic books. And so he would grab these comic books, usually like X-Men or something like that. If you're not familiar with it, it's called Google. You can look it up. And so, um, and so he would grab, you know, some X-Men comics or Wolverine, you know, and so, um, and so he would, he would bring these comic book home and, uh, we would sit down when he got home and we would all look at them and we would read them and he would do the voices, you know, like you're doing the voices when you're reading. And, and so he would do all the voices while he was reading through. And then we would pick a page and we would all draw it together to see who could be the best artist, right? And it was this tradition. I know, oh, right? Like all the moms are like, yeah, I've been reading with the boys this all week. Deal with it, you know? Like, <laughs> it's the least you could do. And so, uh, and so we would do that, but it instilled in me this like love for comic books. My brother and I, we like grew up loving comic books. And maybe some of you were like, well, right? Like that sounds nerdy. Um, I don't care. And so um, that's, I, it's just what it is, right? Like we grew up loving comic books and drawing and watching all the comic book movies. And to the point now where my brother, you guys, is, uh, he is an artist uh, drawing comic books. Like that's what he does. He actually works for Marvel. I know it's weird. And so, um, yep. Try, uh, somebody's clapping for that. Yeah. <laughs> Trad Moore, T-R-A-D-D. And so, um, He's not on Instagram, but again, Google. And so, uh, so he, he draws comic, it like made an impact. And so we've, we've just loved comic books in my family and we've loved all the characters and we love watching the movies, all the Avengers movies, but um, some of my favorite comic book movies, right? That I watch, I've probably watched way too many times um, are the, the Dark Knight trilogy. Is anybody familiar with this? Yes, okay, yep. Somebody said, yes, Lord. And so, um, 
Yeah, yeah. So the dark this is Christopher Nolan. He does these amazing Batman movies. And there's this, you know, the guy that plays Batman, Christian Bale. He's awesome. He does the whole, Rachel, you know what I mean? Like, and so he talks in this gruff, deep voice. And he's such a good Batman. And the movies are awesome. These superhero movies, just for anybody in the room, like they're so good that my wife will actually watch them. And my wife has zero imagination. And so... Um, <laughs> It sounds, it sounds me. It's, it's true. She only likes like true crime or like, like actual uh, like events that have happened. And so she's like, like as soon as she sees people flying or anything like that, she's like, nope, I'm out. And so, and so she's not about it, but she loved these movies. And so I love these movies as well. And, um, but there's a scene as I've been prepping for this week, there's this scene that I just couldn't get out of my head from those dark night movies. The reason why I'm talking about it is not, you know, this is not some film endorsement or like, eh, I know what you guys should go home and do for Mother's Day, Batman, you know, like um, that's not the point, right? The, the, the reason why I'm sharing it is all week long as I've been preparing for this message, I've been thinking about this one scene in the very first of the trilogy, right? The, the movie is Batman Begins and this is where Bruce Wayne is becoming Batman. And so he's like, you know, he's getting buff and he's learning ninja moves and he's like making his outfit, you know, like, which it's, it's awesome, right? And you're seeing this. And so he gets up every morning though, as he's at home preparing himself to be Batman and he like immediately drops on the floor and does pushups, right? So he's just, and Christian Bale is just, you know, like, and so, um, and, and so he's, you know, he's just getting jacked and, um, d- doing these pushups. And then there comes this point in the movie, three quarters of the way through. And there's this fire at his house and this beam falls down. Gosh, you're not even gonna have to see the movie. I've told you. And so the beam falls on him, right? And, and he's pinned down by this wooden beam and Alfred, who's like his butler slash mentor slash just like, like partner in crime type deal. And like, like, like Alfred like comes over to him. He's trying to help him and he's trying to push the beam off. And Alfred says to him, he says, he says this right here. He says, what's the point of all those push-ups if you can't even lift a silly log? He's like, what's the point of you doing all those push-ups if, it, if they don't actually like help when it counts? And, and the reason why I've been thinking about that all week is we've been in this series called The Resurrected Life. And we've been talking about how Jesus promised that his resurrection would actually have uh, an impact on our lives here and now. He said that his resurrection, his death and resurrection would actually be the starting line and not the finish line of his movement and of a new way of living for you and for me and for anyone that would follow after him. And so he says, hey, this is the starting line. My resurrection is the beginning of you having access to a new and different kind of life, a life empowered by my Holy Spirit, the same spirit that rose me from the dead. He's like, is gonna live in you to empower you to live new and different, a resurrected life. And so we've been talking about this in the series and we've been talking about how Jesus has invited us to live this new and different life that's full of love and it's full of courage and it's full of service and it's full of joy and peace and fulfillment. We've talked about this life that Jesus offers us and we said that the way to get in on that life is not through your own effort because that's exhausting and it's impossible. And that doesn't sound like good news is that Jesus rose to say, work harder. 
He rose to say, I've invited you into a new life, but I'm not telling you to earn it or to work hard for it. I've earned it. And so I'm going to send you a helper to help you to live this new and incredible resurrected life. And the helper, he's called the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. And this Holy Spirit is going to help you to live new and different. And so he, we, we learned week one, how the Holy Spirit helps us. We said that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would help us to live this life. And the way that the Holy Spirit helps us, he's, we said one, that the Holy Spirit comforts us in our moments of weakness, in our moments uh, of doubt, when we feel afraid, when we feel alone, when we feel discouraged, when we feel defeated, the Holy Spirit comforts us by reminding us that God is with us, that he's not forgotten us, that we're never alone. And so we said that the Holy Spirit helps us by comforting us. We said that the Holy Spirit helps us by convicting us of our sins the stuff in our life that's leading us to death. He says, the Holy Spirit's gonna convict you of that, reveal those things to you, give you a distaste for the things that are leading you to death and give you a desire to change and to make a difference. So the Holy Spirit's gonna help you by convicting you of sin. And then also that the Holy Spirit would help us by counseling us, by guiding us, by leading us. And so this, Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm gonna put my spirit in you and he's gonna help you to live a new and different kind of life. And then last week we learned that uh, along the way, as we're learning to live this new and different kind of life, that, the, that we recognize that there are gaps between who we ought to be and who we currently are, between who we ultimately want to be and who we are presently, right? And so we said that there are these gaps and as we see these gaps, we can either get discouraged or we can lean into the Holy Spirit and recognize that we are works in progress and allow the Holy Spirit to help us to put to death the sins in our life and to actually walk in new life. And so we said that the Holy Spirit empowers us to embrace grace and to apply some grace-driven effort to make some changes and to do away with some of that stuff in our life that's not what's ultimately good for us in our relationships. And so we've been learning how to live this resurrected life. And so far though, the reason why that quote came to mind is because so far it's been all about us and what the Lord wants to do in us and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. And the question that I've been asking myself as we've been preparing for this week and that we want to talk about this week is, okay, but what's the point, right? What's the point of all the push-ups? What's the point of all the the, the transformation inside of us? Like, like, is it just personal salvation and self-improvement? Is that what the Christian life is all about? Is that the life that Jesus promised? Is that the resurrected life? Is it just personal salvation? I'm seeing heaven and some self-improvement along the way. Or is there more to it than that? What's the point of the Holy Spirit in us? transforming us. That's what we're going to talk about today. And hopefully we're going to answer that question and we're going to come to discover what the point ultimately is of what God wants to do in us. And so in order to guide our conversation today, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at uh, the book of Colossians, uh, which is written by a guy named Paul. 
And uh, if you've been around our churches before, you've heard of Paul, you've heard us talk about Paul. Um, if you haven't been around uh, church before, uh, let me just reintroduce you to Paul. Uh, Paul was a, a Jesus hater turned Jesus follower, a guy who made it his goal in life to shut down churches. Uh, and then he finds himself following Jesus and starting churches. And so um, this is Paul. You can read about his story. It's fascinating. It's in the book of Acts. That's A-C-T-S, not the body spray that middle schoolers wear. And so, um, and so you can read about it in the book of Acts. And, um, and the story is amazing. His conversion story is fascinating. It's, it's really, really cool to see someone like really do a 180. Uh, it's, it's awesome. And so, but Paul ends up, you know, putting his faith in Jesus. And then he ends up writing much of the New Testament, what your Bibles have as the New Testament. And, um, and so most of that is written by him and it's written as letters from churches that he started. And so he'll go and he'll start a church and then he'll be with that church for a little bit. And then he leaves that church and then he writes back to them. Sometimes it's to encourage them. Sometimes it's to course correct them uh, where he hears about some things and he's like, you guys are doing what? And so he writes back. And so there's that whole thing. But the interesting thing about Colossians is that um, Paul didn't actually start this church. This is just one that he's heard about and that some of their pastors actually came to help him out. And so then they ask him, hey, would you write our church a letter like, and just encourage them and, and speak to them about a few things because um, you, you've been a big influence. And so would you write back to them? And so Paul obliges and writes to this church whose pastors have actually helped him out along the way. And in this letter, he's gonna talk about, in chapter one, he talks about how amazing Jesus is. The supremacy, if you will, of Jesus, right? Jesus is better than everything. And then in chapter two, he talks about what Jesus has done. And then in chapter three, he starts to turn the corner and he starts to talk about the impact of Jesus on your life and the difference that it ought to make in and through your life. And so he begins chapter three and he talks a little bit about what we talked about last week, which is like putting off the things in our life that aren't good for us. And so he says, hey, there's some changes that you need to make, some things that you need to get rid of, some gaps that need to be shrunk. He's like, you need to, there's some things you need to do away with. But then as he gets into the middle where we're about to pick up right now, he's gonna start to talk to us about some things that ought to be true of us, some things that ought to be showing up in us if the spirit of God is really in us. And he's gonna teach us what the point is of all of this, this work that God is doing in us. And so this is what he's gonna say. <clears throat> he says, therefore, which we learned last week, when you see a therefore, you gotta ask yourself, what's it there for? Look at that, and all seven of you that were here last week, that's amazing. It's a good question to ask though. When you're reading your Bible, you see a therefore, you go, what's it there for? He's saying, therefore, as God's chosen people, so because you're chosen by God, holy, meaning like transformed, set apart, he says, and dearly loved. He says, therefore, what I'm about to say, he says, first of all, I gotta, I gotta let you know, I'm about to tell you to do some things, but I just want you to know the motivation behind why you're gonna do it. This is so important. He's like, therefore, because God loves you, because you're already loved and accepted and forgiven by God, because he loves you. He's like, I'm, I wanna tell you to do some things. 
I don't want you to do some things because you think you gotta do them to get God to love you. That's not the motivation. That's earning. And the good news of Jesus is that you don't earn it anymore. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's done for you. And so he says, therefore, because you're loved and you're accepted and you're forgiven by God, when you put your faith in Christ, he's like, look, therefore, because of that, he says, there's some things that need to change and some things that should, should start showing up. There's some, there's some good effort that needs to happen. He says, I want you to clothe yourselves. You're like, all of you have passed the test. <laughs> Nobody came naked today. You're Christians. And so it's not, he's going to go on, but he, he uses this language where he says, all right, therefore, because God loves you, because he accepts you, because he forgives you, because he's put his spirit inside of you. He says, I want you to clothe yourselves. And the idea here is that there are some things that if God is at work in you, there are some things that should be on you. If God's spirit is at work inside of you, there are some, some things that should be evident on the outside of you. You see, we've been talking about the internal work and the internal work, right, is, is important. But at some point, right, while the work is definitely done internally, it will always eventually show itself externally. This is what Paul is talking about. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. the internal work is important, but it will always eventually become external. He's like, so there, you should see some things. If God's spirit is in you and if you have embraced his grace and his love is alive in you, if he's transforming you from the inside, it's gotta go inside out. He's like, so there's some stuff you gotta put on. There's some differences that need to be visible if the invisible God is in you. And so he says, it's like clothes. You start to put on the characteristics of God on the outside because he's depositing them on the inside. And so he goes, so what are some of the things that you put on? What are some of the things that ought to be evident on your life if the spirit of God is working in your life? He says, I want you to clothe yourselves, right? Not just with clothes. He's like, but with compassion. Now that, that word compassion, it's more than, because a lot of times we read that and we, we think pity or like, um, like in the South, it's that sentiment of like, bless your heart. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, bless your heart. I will pray for you. You know what I mean? And by that, you mean, I pity the fool. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's not what he's talking about. He says, hey, look, if the spirit of God is at work in you, he says, then there's this thing that starts to bubble up on the outside that you clothe yourself in and it's called compassion. And compassion is this like deep feeling for someone else's pain. It's the ability to feel what you feel. It's the ability for me to go, oh, that hurts you and so much so that it hurts me. It's, it, the word actually is like, like, like to love or to feel from the gut. It's like, like we, we like to say from the heart because the gut sounds gross, but in the Greek, it's like, hey, from, from like your, it's like, it's like a feeling towards someone that you go, oh, I, just, I, ah, I feel for you. That's compassion. It is a feeling towards someone of like, not just pity, but it's a feeling of like, 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 
care for someone, deep care for someone that drives you to act. You actually see it all throughout the life of Jesus. If you read through the gospels, you'll see all through the life of Jesus where uh, it will say, and, his and he had compassion on them. And then there's an action. And so when you watch and you walk with Jesus through the gospels, you'll see that he had compassion for the sick and then he healed them. That he had compassion for those that were lost and so he went and found them. That he had compassion for those that were hurting and he wept with them. That he had compassion on the dead and so he resurrected them. And so you see this, this compassion in Jesus, this ability to feel someone else's pain, but it doesn't just make him go, poor you. It causes him to go, what can I do? And if the spirit is at work in us, Paul says, oh, then on the outside of us, compassion. Compassion should be making its way out of us towards others. And so we feel their pain, even if, and listen, this is where it gets hard. Even if it's self-inflicted, even if you know they could have done something differently and they, they could have and should have done something better, it's the ability to feel with them before you correct them. This is compassion. And so he says, one of the things that should show up on your life if the spirit is working in your life is compassion. And then he goes on to say kindness. Kindness is loaning someone else your strength. This is, the, this is what this word means. And so he says, hey, another thing that should be showing up on your life and through your life is this kindness. You should be loaning others your strength. So you don't just feel with them, but you actually act on behalf of them. This is why you guys, selfishness and indifference is actually anti-Christian. Selfishness and indifference is anti-Christian because the Christian, the person who has the spirit of God living in us that recognizes we've been loved and saved and forgiven and accepted by God, we, we, have, we clothe ourselves in compassion and kindness. We loan our strength to others. He keeps going and he says, another thing that should show up in your life that people should see and experience from you is humility. And humility is not just like, you know, when you win a game and you're like, I just got to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's, that's great. But like, it's not just like humility is more than just like, oh man, you know, I was able to score those touchdowns because of God. You know, like it's, it's, it's more than that, right? Humility is not you like, oh, it wasn't me. You know what I mean? Like, like that like type of thing. I love the way C.S. Lewis defines humility when you, when you read uh, what he wrote. He said, um, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's simply thinking of yourself less. And so one of the things that we put on is humility. If the spirit is working in us, then one of the things that should be true of us is simply not that we think less of ourselves, but that we increasingly think of ourselves less. And we're not the center of the universe anymore. And so he says, humility, humility should be showing up on your life. And then he says, gentleness. This is a lot of times where I lose a lot of guys. Like gentleness, that doesn't sound cool. Sounds weak, right? 
No, I'm a man. I do push-ups like Batman, you know, like we lose a lot of people on the, on the, a lot of guys on the gentleness, but I just want to define this for you because the idea of gentleness here, it's, it's, it's the same word that they use for meekness and which again, sounds like weakness, but it's not weakness. The idea, the definition of that word is bridled strength. It's instead of operating to my greatest strength and asking you to meet me, it's I'm going to meet you where you are. With courtesy, with respect, I'm going to meet you where you are in your strength or weakness. And I'm not gonna power up, but instead in gentleness, I'm gonna power down to meet you where you're at, to treat you with courtesy and with respect. I love the way Andy Stanley, our teaching pastor, he's, he's taught about this before. He said, gentleness is this bridled strength. He says, you know, because it, with my hand, I can pick up a contact and I can pick up a baseball, but I don't use the same strength. I dumb, I dumb down my strength a little bit in order to pick up that contact. And I use it, I use my strength differently. And I love that image It's you bridling your strength in order to meet someone else on their terms because you want to show courtesy and respect. This is what should be showing up in our lives and through our lives if the spirit is really at work in us. He says, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. And then finally, and this is where I lose all the parents, patience. Patience, right? He says, another, like that, that word patience is this, like uh, it's a two-part word that basically means like to withstand for a time, great heat. So patience is I can put up with the heat for an extended period of time. He's going, I can, I can, I can deal with this and there should be an increasing amount of patience that is exuding from your life if the spirit of God is at work in your life. And so these dispositions ought to be put on us if the spirit is at work in us. He keeps going and he kind of starts to summarize what all this means. He says, okay, those things show up. And then he says, I want you to bear with each other. Forgive one another. And I want you to forgive, not just as you want to, but as the Lord forgave you. And then over all these, put on love, which brings everything into perfect unity. So he says, if the spirit's at work in you, he's like, it's going to produce some things that are going to be visible through your life. And I want you to practice putting those on Day in and day out, I want you to practice putting on the characteristics of Jesus. And the way that you can do that is because his spirit's in you and it's working. And so I want you to practice putting on those things, that compassion. And he says, and it's gonna give you the ability to bear with each other. That phrase there, that means to be able to put up with exasperating conduct. We've needed some of that the past couple of years, yes? In our world, in our churches, We've needed some of that. If we could have just gotten that right, the past couple of years could have been different. To be able to put up with one another's exasperating conduct. And sometimes 
people in this context exasperate you, don't they? You're like, yeah, they're right there. He says, but if, if the spirit is at work in you and each day you are putting on the characteristics of Christ, he's like, it's going to give you the ability to bear with each other. He says, and then you'll begin to forgive one another. Forgive, not cancel, not gossip, not pray. I need you guys to pray for our more. You'll know, you know what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. Not like, you know, when you do the prayer request, but really you're just talking smack. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, they're a mess right now. Pray for them, right? He says, you'll be able to forgive one another. As you put on these characteristics on the outside, he says, you'll be able to bear with each other, put up with each other's exasperating conduct. You'll grow in your ability to do that. You'll be able to forgive one another. And that idea of forgiveness, you guys, it's not saying that what somebody did to hurt you is okay. You need to understand this about forgiveness. It's not saying that what they did is okay. It's saying, I'm not going to continue to demand retribution for it. It's saying, hey, I see what you did. It hurt, but I'm not gonna demand revenge or retribution or payment for that. I see your sin at its fullest height and the grace of God stands taller still. This is forgiveness. It says, as you put on the attributes of God and the Holy Spirit works in you and you see your own need for forgiveness, you become more and more aware that God did something for you when you didn't deserve it. And so you become more able to do that for others. And so he's like, we bear with each other, we forgive each other. And then he says, on top of all of it, like an overcoat or a belt that finally puts the outfit together. He's like, he's like on top of all of it, he says, I want you to put on love. He's like, love is the thing that wraps it all up. He's like, if I could sum it all up with a word that should be exuding from your life, if there's one thing that people should see and experience when they come across you, if Jesus is actually working in you, if the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, then the thing that is going to be flowing from your life is love. As a matter of fact, Jesus taught that when he was preparing his disciples before he was gonna leave. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm setting you up to take over the movement. And he says, I just don't want you to get it twisted. This is in John chapter 13. He says, I'm going somewhere and where I'm going, you can't follow, but I'm gonna send my spirit. And he says, he says, hey, the thing that people should see in you though, the thing that should mark you as one of my disciples, he says, is if you love the way that I've loved you. He says, that should be the defining characteristic of a follower of me. And Paul reiterates the exact same thing. He says, hey, he says, if the spirit of God is really working in you, then the thing that should be flowing from you and that others should see on you is love that looks like Jesus. He says, this is what, this is what they should see. And he says, when, when you do that, when you clothe yourself in these things, he's like, it actually brings us together in perfect unity. When we're able to be patient, gentle, humble, compassionate and kind towards one another, forgiving each other and bearing with each other. He's like, man, that brings you into unity. And you don't all have to agree on everything, but you learn to put up with each other and deal with each other and sharpen each other and encourage each other and move forward together. This is what people should see in us. So this is, this is, for lack of a better term, go with me here. It's a little cheesy. This is our spirit wear. You get it? 
<laughs> I was thinking about it like my, my kids, they, every Friday they wear the clothes that represent their school, you know what I mean? And so they go and they go to their school wearing their Level Creek stuff, right? To, just to say, I actually go here, right? Like, and so they wear their spirit wear or sometimes they do spirit wear nights where they go to, to Chick-fil-A or they go to, you know, whatever, Jeremiah's ice cream and stuff like that. And, and, and the, the ticket in is that they wear their spirit wear so that they can prove that I actually am like one of those people. And Paul says that there's spirit wear for us as well. There's literal things that should be produced on the outside if the spirit is working on the inside, right? There is fashion for the faithful, Right? but it's not literal clothes. He's like, it looks like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. It looks like bearing with each other and forgiving each other. And over all of it, it looks like love. It looks like love. And so he says, this is what should be on our life if the spirit is working in our life to which we come back to our question. So what's the point of all those push-ups? What's the point of God's work in us? And we see from this passage that the point of God's work in us is that he might shine through us. And if you'll notice, it doesn't stop with us. As a matter of fact, all the attributes that were listed, if you'll notice, they are all others focused and outward facing. And so you guys, you gotta get this. We can't miss this. This is so important that following Jesus and living this resurrected life, this new life, that what he wants to do is that he wants to do a work in you, but not just to do a work in you. He wants to do a work in you so that he can do a work through you. Listen, if you make the Christian life just about you, then you've missed the point. If it's just about self-improvement and getting a little bit better, You've missed the point because God wants to lead you into a life that's not about you. And he wants to lead you into a life that's not just about you getting a little bit better. He wants to lead you into a life that's bigger than that. It's more expansive than that. It's better than just you living a little bit better. It's a life that actually makes the lives of the people around you better. That's, that's what all the push-ups are for. That's what God has put his spirit inside you for, right? Yes, he wants to lead you. And yes, he wants to transform you, but it doesn't stop there. He wants to work through you. You see, God wants to make a difference in you, but ultimately he wants to make that difference through you to love and to serve and to reach the people around you. This is the Christian life. This is the resurrected life. Filled, transformed, and sent to make a difference in the lives of others around us. You guys, can we imagine if we could get this right? Can you imagine Christians in the room if you got up each and every day and while you brushed your teeth and you put on your actual clothes, imagine if you asked the Holy Spirit to help you to put on your spiritual clothes. If you made sure to get dressed every day and said, God, give me these things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, 
Help me to bear with people today. Help me to forgive today. Help me to love today. Can you imagine if you got that right? The difference that it could make in your family, in your marriage, in your workplace, in your school, in your friendships, in your neighborhood. Can you imagine the difference it would make? Our world needs this badly, desperately. And even if you're not sure where you're at with the whole Jesus thing, don't you want more people like that in the world? Like, even if you're not, even if you're like, look, I don't know about the whole son of God thing, but I could sure use a lot more people that are compassionate and kind and gentle and humble and forgiving and patient and are able to bear with you. Like, don't you want more people like that just on earth? Of course. And so I'm, this is what God has called us to. It's a life that's not just about you. Surely it transforms you, but it's meant to flow through you. Yes, God wants to make a difference in your life, but he wants to make a difference through your life. And he wants to impact the lives of others around you. And when we get this right, you guys, it does make a difference. And I know that because y'all, that's actually like what made the biggest difference in me. I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you like, I, I, and some of you have heard a little bit of my story and I'll, I'll be brief because I know we gotta go. But when I was 20 years old, um, I put my trust in Jesus. And the reason why I put my trust in Jesus wasn't because I sat in a service and heard an okay sermon by a young and good looking guy. <laughs> That's not why I put my trust in Jesus. It wasn't because I sat in the room and the music was good and the hazers, lasers and lights and everything. And it, it wasn't that. I put my trust in Jesus. I started to follow Jesus and I said yes to wanting to get in on the life of Jesus because I met a Christian that every day got up and put the clothes on and he lived it and he let the Holy Spirit do the work in him and then he put the, and he let it shine through him and he was kind and he was compassionate. He was humble, he was gentle He's still alive. I don't know why I'm talking about him like he was dead. Like he's not dead. He's, he's alive. He lives up the road in Flowery Branch. He's an amazing dude named Gus. But he lives it day in and day out. And he allows the spirit to work in him, but not just to work in him, to work through him. And I'm just telling you, when I spent some time with him doing some like yard work, I was working a summer job. I saw him and I said, I don't know what it is about that guy, but he's different and I want that. I want that. And y'all, I'm just telling you, don't you want somebody to say that about you? I do. Oh, I pray all the time. God, I hope. I hope that somebody looks at my life and goes, I don't know what it is about him. I don't know if I believe what he believes, but I want what he's got. And I'm glad that he's my neighbor. I'm glad that he's my kid's soccer coach. I'm glad that he's my friend. That's what should be true of us. That's the Christian life. Filled with his spirit. Transformed, surely but then sent to make a difference in the world around us. If your faith, if your Christian walk has just been about you getting a little bit better, then I'm just telling you, you're missing out on the good stuff because the work that God does in you, he wants it to flow through you to make a difference in the world around you. This is the resurrected life. Let me pray for us. 
Oh, Father, thank you so much for sending us Jesus to offer us a new and better way to live and to be. So for those of us that have been trying to white knuckle our way through life and be better by our own effort, I just pray this morning you would remind us that it's not on our effort, but it's because of your grace and your spirit working in us that we can experience this life. And so I pray that you would help us with that today. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to rely and trust on your, in your spirit. Help us to put to death the things that are killing us. But more importantly, help us to exude the characteristics of Jesus. Father, would you make a difference in us, but don't let it stop with us. Let it flow through us to the world around us. Help us to live the, the resurrected life that you promised us. We need your help, but with your help, we know we can make a difference. We love you, we trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.